Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey, everybody. Uh, we got a little something different this time. We we normally do our off track with Carruthers and Bice on video only when we're at the racetrack and uh, and we have the riders or whoever the guest is live. But today we're doing our first video podcast and we're going to continue to do these. And as you can see, uh, we've got Sean Bice with us, who's from Ohio and I'm in California. And uh, Sean, it's a little bit weird doing it this way. I actually I kind of had to shave. It's, <laughs> it's like eight in the morning for me. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit different, but I kind of like it. I like it too. And I'm glad we got uh, Ben Spees on because, you know, he out handsomes both, both of us. So if we're going to do video, we better get to get his face on there to overshadow us. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I got to see Ben. I hadn't seen Ben for a long time. And obviously, I, this is the second time this week we've seen him because uh, he was out in California for the announcement of the, the Ray Hall Ducati Moto team, which is it. it I mean, everybody seems so excited about it. I know Moto America, it's a huge deal for us because, uh, you know, the Ray Halls have been talking about doing this for a long time. I remember way back, maybe 2016, 17, hearing that like they were interested in doing it. And, you know, you kind of hear these things and it's one of those things where like, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, now we've seen it and it's real. And they've uh, they've brought Ben in as the team principal. And yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's really cool to have uh, have Ben back involved. It's funny, we've talked to him a little bit over the past few years, and he's got quite a bit of interest in Moto America has and obviously keeps track of the American riders over in Europe and, you know, talks a lot with or has talked a lot with Garrett Gerloff and Cameron Bobier. So he's he's done a lot of behind the scenes stuff and he knows quite a few of the riders that are in our series. So we're anxious for those in two weeks or whenever it's going to be to hear who's going to be on that team. But it's going to be cool to have Ben Ben, when was the last time you were on a motorcycle? Oh, it was, uh, would have been 20, I think 2019, maybe. Um, I think I rode twice that year, once out at Willow at an A-Stars event and another time at Laguna at an A-Stars event. But it was just a, a stock R1, um, you know, just having fun and and haven't, haven't rode a race bike, you know, since I've been retired. Yeah. It's funny, we talked to Roger Hayden about this sometimes. He had been doing this lap with on a Ducati, and he said he literally wasn't riding at all. In fact, when they filmed the piece, he would go like two laps around. He said that's the only time you would ride a motorcycle at all. But with this team, are you going to – I'm sure you're going to probably get on that V2 at some point a little bit, right? I mean, a lot of people were asking that, you yeah. know, and I, I can see it, but, um, you know, it's – I'm not, not sure yet. I mean, I don't have any plans right now too, but, um, I'm not going to say never, you know, cause once we start getting the bikes built and I'm looking at them and all the stuff, I mean, it might get interesting or something, but I just, you know, I don't know if I, if I want to try to go back to that place where the current riders are right now, um, you know, just haven't done it for so long and, you know, it, it could maybe come back a little bit, but that's not, that's definitely not the goal right now. Right. See, the problem with him is it's not a problem. It's actually a good thing. But he retired kind of young. Yeah. Well, it seemed like it. And you look at him now and you're like, the guy could go race right this second, you know, because he doesn't look like he's as old as he is. How old are you, Ben? Uh, 39. 
yeah, yeah, he's 40. See, yeah, he looks like he's 32. So you th- you, it's not a stretch to say that he'd go ride the thing. So you could see like on Facebook, why somebody would jump to that conclusion, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can, I guess I can kind of get it. I mean, you see what Valentino did and and other racers in general, you know, that, you know, you can definitely be fast at 40 and, and stuff like that. But it's just, you know, I haven't, haven't been in it, you know, doing it consistently. So when you take that much time off, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be easy just to get back up to speed, but um, I mean, I can see the interest obviously, but my, my kind of first goal is to, to do the job and, and um, you know, work with the riders and and all that kind of stuff. If it leads to that, you know, I'm not going to say no, but we haven't been talking about it at all yet. And Josh Hayes is like 70. Right. I, I, I texted him after he won uh I don't know, his 80 something or 90 something race. And I was joking. <laughs> and I was like, what, when you talk with people and they ask you like what you do and you're like, Oh, I race motorcycles. And it's like, Oh, well, you're, are you any good? It's like, yeah, I've won a hundred. You know? right. so yeah. He, he's, he's pretty impressive as you would know to do what he's done for as long as he's done it to wake up every morning and want to deal with that. You know, it's, 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 he's an impressive guy. Well, he, I mean, he, he, we all love it, but I mean, he's, he really loves it, you know, and yeah, he's he does. I remember he was, you know, probably in 1996 or 97, you know, he was sleeping on the floor at my house, you know, when he was in town for Oak Hill. So I've, I've known Josh for a long time. Yeah, he's, well, he's he's been through it all. I was surprised, Ben, you told me that on his way back from New Jersey, he stopped in to see you at, uh, at some point here not too long ago. Yeah, he's got uh, some family, you know, yeah. that lives in in Tyler, and uh, he called me, and we went up and had sushi with with uh, with him. So it was uh, it was good to catch up, and you know, didn't obviously talk about any of this stuff, but uh, right. just heard what was going on, and and uh, you know, for the year, and just some, you know, when he ha- he obviously had that big crash. A lot uh, hold on, let me. We're gonna have to pause this. Let me put him up real quick. Sorry. That's all right. See, there we go. Our first video clip. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, it's you and me, baby. Yeah, yeah we'll keep it going. Oh, oh man, I got to tell Ben something when he comes back, though, about that whole thing with, with Hayes. This is something I found out, but it's kind of funny. I wonder, well, he must be going to get his, his dog or something. He's got a couple know. of good, he's got a 28-year-old horse. Oh, really? I don't know where he keeps it, but. How old the horses live? That's about it. I mean, really, I, I don't old. know. I'm not a horse guy, so I don't. Yeah. I don't really know what they live to. But, that that's but pretty I, old. He's ben, your horse, your horse who is 28. That's pretty old for a horse. Am I right? Yeah, I mean they can uh, they can get into their their 30s pretty pretty well, but oh. uh, but yeah, he's he's getting older, and you know the last couple of years he just have he hadn't quite put on as much weight, you know, for the winter. So it's. He's kind of he's starting to get there, but um, but yeah, no, it's a, he actually stepped on my foot right before I flew out to California, and I thought he broke my toe for a second, but uh, <laughs> but that was that was pretty funny. But yeah, I just I like we've always had rescue horses. Um, That's cool. Grandpa and at my big family ranch, and then we um, you know, when I bought some land here, uh, so my mom wouldn't have to drive so far, and and we obviously like the horses. I moved them to my land. And uh, yeah. so we have four horses and uh, three donkeys. So one thing I got to tell you real quick, I was I went into the 2006 AMA uh, media guide and I looked at it. And it, <laughs> so I know you you were born July 11th, 1984, but it says July 11th, 
1975. No, 74. They were off by 10 years. So wow. I looked at it and I said, there's no way in hell he's older than Josh Hayes. <laughs> so what the hell was that all about? They were off by, did Did you ever know that you, they had your date wrong, your birth date no. wrong? No, I mean, I maybe never. it was that one year. I don't know. But it's yeah, those kind of things I never really, I never got to see too much of. I was just always kind of focused on something. So if they, if they had it wrong, they... Well, it's funny because some guys lie about their age when they're young so they can start riding earlier. And, oh, they, yeah. and then they want to go back the other way. Like, I think Duhamel did that. He'd yeah, Miguel, for Miguel sure. was like, I think Miguel was 32 for 10 years. Yes, I mean, <laughs> same, same deal. So anyway, before we jump into talking about the new, the new team yeah. and all that, do you, do you still watch MotoGP? Yeah. Yeah, no, I watch. I keep up with everything. Because you're like... You're still in that modern era, but it's so much has changed. Like I, I thought of you the other day. I'm like, man, I bet he wishes he had a Ducati like they have now when his last year on the thing. But yeah. I mean, the bikes are pretty amazing, don't you think? Yeah, they are. I mean, you know, a little bit there. The Ducati definitely is the most extreme version of all the updates and everything. But, you know, say the Yamaha and Honda, for example, um, you know, the bikes really aren't crazy different from when I was on them except right. for the downforce and the lowering devices and, and all that kind of stuff, which does make, you know, a lot of difference. Um, I think back from 2013 to now, the, the horsepower difference isn't, it's not as big as you think. Um, mm -hmm. but the usable power on acceleration is much more. I mean, I, I forgot the numbers that, you know, I've heard, but just the being able to accelerate with the bike being so low and long, makes a huge difference so the starts are obviously massive but even just the you know the first uh third of the straightaway on the exits of corners you can you know probably able to use another 50-ish horsepower than they could have you know back in the day because like at, at Laguna Seca for example in 2012 I think we were doing like 20s or 21s or something like that and out of that lap time I think it was only about a second and a half that the bike was at full throttle Right. You know, because it's just it's wheeling or or whatever. So that's that's the biggest difference is they're able to use a lot more horsepower. When I see them now, like when they got the lower device on, it doesn't. Yeah. It's kind of weird to me. I look at it and it looks like you know a drag bike or something, right? Which is basically what they try to emulate to make it do what yeah. they do. But yeah. I just can't get used to the way they look. Once they get up high and everything, it looks a little better to me. But that yeah. first initial yeah. part, I'm like, Ew, this is. This is where I mean, just the the amount of force with the bike uh, under acceleration and even on brakes now, it's it's so much more, you know, than it used to be. The the riding of the bikes, I've always told people that, you know, the higher kind of the heart, higher car you go or the higher bike, your faster speeds and the technology is obviously awesome, but there's less um driving or riding it's more connecting the dots and you know, right. you know the bikes aren't sideways as much and you don't see as much going on but you know the overall lap time is is there so I'm kind of still a fan of trying to not go too much you know where you can keep the racing good because at the end of the day you know we're we're getting you're going 360 k's an hour now I mean and it's just it's fast and when you're third or fourth in line, it's starting to get kind of dangerous on the brakes with the wind buffeting. And, you know, if you don't break before those guys, you kind of get sucked in pretty quick. And, um, you know, we just need to start having that conversation about it's It's not just about a top speed. It's not about a lap record. It is for some of the companies. I get it. 
but in the grand scheme of things, it's the show. Right. You know? And it's like you can have guys on rain tires on a drying track that the pace is slow, but they're going to be all grouped up and it's going to be exciting. So I think everybody always needs to remember that when we're thinking of the, the future rules, because, you know, the bikes are just fast now, real fast. All right, so Sean, ben, ben, why don't you, you don't... take us into this Ray Hall thing, Sean? Okay, one quick question on this MotoGP. So, Ben, it sounds like out of if I'm reading you right, you don't think this arrow is a gimmick. You really think it's it works. Oh, no, it definitely does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, I think there's, there's certain things that obviously Ducati, I think has put in, I know they've put in the most money and the most research with all the stuff and, and have it working just because some of the, the numbers about the bikes as in ride heights and lengths of them, when you look at it on paper, it's like, that shouldn't work. You know, right. it just really, it shouldn't work in a slow turn like that, but you know, the side pods are pulling stuff down, Hmm. Um, everything's just a little bit different. Um, like I said, I get it from a technology standpoint, but it's, you know, it's, it's making the passing zone smaller and smaller and it's, it's more difficult, you know, for the guys to pass. So it's, <clears throat> I just hope it doesn't go, you know, too much more than it is because it's already, you know, a big step. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this deal with, uh, uh, Ray Hall Ducati moto. So we've seen this coming for a while, obviously, Graham has been a fan of Ducati and he had, he opened a couple of Ducati dealerships. So um, I, we, you and I even talked Ben about the fact that he had a couple of replica bikes that he was selling on bring a trailer. So I was kidding him on that about, Hey, you're raising money for a team. And he, he, you know, he didn't say too much then, but then lo and behold, we hear about this. And then we hear about you being involved as team principal. How, how did this whole thing come about? And obviously you have a relationship still with Ducati. So were Bobby and Graham aware of that? Did Ducati go to them? How how did the awareness and the connection of you with them kind of start and come together? Yeah, it it honestly started uh, through Jay Root, you know, with with Ducati North America, and he uh, he called me um, asking, you know, if I was interested in doing a couple of the DRE events like they did at Coda, and um, you know, just being frank, I said not not really. I said if there's there's five or six events. I was like, yes, you know, I mean, I, I am interested, but I said my relationship, you know, with Yamaha is obviously pretty good. And I just don't want to, for, for one or two things, I don't want to leave that, but I said, I'm interested in something with some substance and uh, more to it. And then he, um, I guess he made a couple calls and called me back and, and um, you know, we started, you know, he asked me if I wanted to be the manager of a, a team and, kind of said, no, not really, you know, but I said, I can, I can wear three or four hats in the team, you know, if, if given that role and, you know, working with the riders again, picking kind of the mechanics and, and a lot of that stuff. And they were, they were really happy with that. So, you know, we started, we talked a lot about it and, and there's been a lot to do, but um, they've been excited. It's been, it's been awesome working with Graham and, He's got so much stuff going on, you know, I don't know how he does it, but in the same time, you know, we've, we're pulling this all together and it's, um, you know, it's a multi-year deal. Um, and, uh, everybody I think is happy, you know, being involved. I'm, I'm definitely excited about it. Well, I, I mean, that V2 is quite a bike. I mean, obviously it's won the past two championships in a row. So, I mean, you guys have a little bit on your shoulders with that to kind of keep that going with Ducati. And obviously, you know, Chavi Forez, what he did with eight wins in a row last year was pretty incredible. And I don't think anybody's expecting that, but depending on which riders you have. But I mean, we'll see. But you're you're carrying the flag for Ducati. 
Um, and you know, I don't know if the final livery of the bike's going to be that yellow, but when, uh, when the Ducati team HSBK, you know, they kind of went to a yellow, it was kind of a nice little, nice look. And I know yellow is pretty important to Ducati as well. Do you know if that's going to be the team colors you guys are going to go with? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty positive. We might, I'm not saying we might not have some one-off kind of different liveries or something. And that, that I think comes a little bit more with kind of Graham's side and the car stuff, how, right. you know, certain things kind of change, but no, I think, uh, yeah, I think we're going to stay yellow and it, you know, it's, it, he, he was one of those bikes a long time ago, the yellow, like 1098, he really loved. And I think it, you know, it pays good homage to like the 748s that were yellow and, um, watching the MotoGP team run the yellow at Misano, I thought the bikes looked awesome. Yeah, that's really good. And, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I'm happy with it and, uh, I think it's going to be good. I was really impressed with, and I knew I would be, but I hadn't met the Ray Halls at all. And I got the chance to meet them and, and talk to them a little bit there at the intro. And like, you know, in the past, we've seen guys come into, into the Moto America series or the AMA series, and they've got some money to throw around and maybe they do it for a year and then they go horse racing or they go do something yeah. else, you know, but these guys, you, you don't get that feeling from them. You, you know, they, you can tell they really like it. And they're, I think the fact that they've had to wait so long to actually put it together kind of made them want it even more. So you just yeah. don't see him going anywhere. And like, you listen to Graham talk and you're like, dude, man, this dude is polished, you know, he's yeah. kind of, he, yeah, he's a no, smart I mean, he, guy. Like and... I said, he's he's got a lot going with a bunch of business type stuff. He's racing. Um, I think at the end of the day, what made it, you know, they they are the Ray Halls. I mean, there's there's that, but then they're racers. Right. You know, they they've won. They've kind of they're they're like that. So that's what they want, and um, that's what obviously makes it a little bit different from from most team owners and and stuff like that. Is just their background, and if they're going to go racing. Uh, you know, like I said in the in the press conference there in, in California, they you know, what's your goals? And yeah, it's to win. I mean, that's that's what it is. And and racing's hard. It definitely doesn't always work out like that. But you know, when we go to the track, every time we go, it's to win the race. And and with that type of attitude, you know, I'm I I wanted to be a part of it. So look, we've got you basically got a clean slate here, right? It's completely clean. It's empty. Wait. There's no, there's nothing there yet. Yeah. Where do you start? Obviously, the riders are going to be a big part of that. And I know you're already working towards that and that'll be announced at some point. But what's the first thing you do? Do you assemble a crew? I mean, you obviously have a shop, right? You have a race shop to work from. Mm -hmm. Is that is that first thing first is the crew? Yeah, I mean, we've got like the the transport, you know, the rig, the place, you know, for the shop. And they're also building a new shop that we'll move into when it's done. Wow. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of everything. I mean, I've talked to a lot of mechanics that, you know, most of them I've kind of got lined up for, we have one more meeting and then we start kind of knocking all those down. So a lot of people have shown interest or they've kind of agreed, you know, to do it. And now we just got to make it happen. And, you know, now it's just getting a list of all the stuff we need, you know, the bike stands, the work tables, just the whole the whole thing under the the uh the 18 wheeler so that's where you know having having my old crew chief i've leaned on him on on some things and he's been you know helping me put together some some package stuff and and we'll see how that goes let's talk about that i was hoping you'd bring that up so <laughs> the first thing i thought of when i thought of ben spees is the guy that had been joining your hip for so long and another guy also and of course it's tom houseworth and and greg wood as well so tom 
I mean, he's talked, I've talked to him a little bit. I think Paul has too. I mean, he came back briefly into this, into the paddock. I think he helped Hayden Gillum for a race or two at one point. And we thought he was going to be back at some point. He's obviously a brilliant guy and a great personality and he helped you a lot. Um, Might we see him in the paddock with you? I I hope so. I I think so. We've obviously been working towards that. He was one of the first people I called, um, got a couple, like I said, got a couple things just to work through, but you know, he, he wants to do it. I want him a part of it. Um, I know how important he is and, you know, it's not just having my guys or the relationship I had, but I just, I know how he picks up on stuff. And when it comes to the riders giving feedback and, doing that stuff. It's, you know, a lot of times I really won't say anything because that's, it's not my place. And in, in sometimes, but then if there's some miscommunication or trying to get draw stuff, draw more stuff out of the riders or just trying to get them to think of feedback differently is to get that connection, you know, working the best. And, you know, me and Tom had a lot of success. Tom's had a lot of success with other people too, mm-hmm. not just me. So, I mean, he, he knows what he's doing um starting this from the ground floor like we're doing and doing it right you know thinking of adding a super bike you know in the second year i'm obviously trying to put you know a, a really good crew together and he he's logically the first call you know how about woody yes i've spoken with woody too and and like <laughs> i said got some got some things to to work through um with that too but you know he's interested and and uh you know i'm like I said, my goal is to put the best team I can together. And um, and so far, you know, I'm happy with the the interest shown in it. And, you know, like I said, we're just kind of we have so much to do. We we fly out there next week and we have a couple days of just getting stuff down and getting a plan of attack and then start knocking, knocking all the dominoes down. It's funny because we have had you see a few guys from the old AMA guys back in the paddock every once in a while, and some of them stick yeah. and some of them don't. You know, yeah. Al Weddington comes to mind, for example, right. he's working on an Indian bagger and yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of cool, but it's also shows like a guy that's good, a, a guy that was good working on these bikes 10 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago. They're different, but they're always the same. I mean, when a rider yeah. comes in and tells you it's doing this, this, and this fixing it is kind of, at least you go down the same path. Yeah. Cause I mean, with the 600s, I was, I was kind of looking over the, the parts order for, you know, the Ducati stuff and, for I mean, for a super sport bike, they're really trick, you know, really trick compared to what I have my Suzuki 600 in in O2. But in the same time, when it comes to the suspension clickers, the geometries and just stuff like that, there a lot of stuff's really similar. And even the even the same thing on the super bike. When when you look back to the super bike I was on and the super bikes now, and the GP bikes we were on, there's nothing we haven't seen. You know, the the super bikes are actually really similar. They're just better. And they have a little bit better electronics than we did, but they don't have, you know, where the GP electronics are for sure. So, you know, again, it's nothing that Tom hasn't seen uh, me. So that's where, you know, if we were just jumping back straight into GP after being a decade out, that's a bit different because there's, they've made some more steps and geometry numbers are just flat out different with, with the arrow being involved. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's uh, the bikes are, bikes are trick and, and getting faster, but they've just been re- refining stuff. There's been nothing, you know, kind of groundbreaking for super sport and super bike. Did we lose you, Sean? 
So Hello. I'll keep going. Maybe you'll come back. <laughs> um, so it, it's the Daytona is going to come really quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Daytona creeps up on everybody, no mm -hmm. matter how ready you are or how long you've been doing it or how, but for a new team, Daytona is going to be, it's going to be here before you know it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had to tell the riders obviously that, you know, there's no lie. We have, a, we have all the, we're getting the right people in place and that's where, you know, there has to be a little bit of trust. And with me being at every race and all the stuff, I'm, I'm obviously going to invest everything I can to get the right mechanics, everything built out right. But, you know, for the next eight to 10 weeks, there's a lot of work, you know, a lot of phone calls, a lot of stuff that needs to be done, but in the grand scheme of things, um, thinking about next year as a racer, you know, I just told him, I said, we're going to have enough test days where, you know, when we're done with testing, you're, you're happy with the bike, you're comfortable on it, you know, and then we're going to get to Daytona and we're going to start, but everything in between and all the little small stuff, you know, it's going to take it that whole time to get it ready, you know? So it's just, it's going to be a, a big project, but, you know, since again, we're running super sport, it, it is, it's doable. You know, it's just a lot of work. If we would have tried to do super bike year one, there's just, I think you can miss a couple things that, you know, it's just, uh, it's important not to, you know, in the first year. Now I hear from him. So I know you're hearing from him, but there's a lot of riders, good riders that don't necessarily have rides for next year. Yeah. It, from your standpoint, it, it's not a bad thing because you obviously have more people to choose from, but from their standpoint, it's, it's, it can be a difficult time if you're, you know, it's, you're sitting here in November, October, and you don't have anything yet. Yeah. Are you hearing from a lot of people that that have interest? Yeah, I mean, since the since the announcements happen, I mean, there's been a lot of people, you know, that have reached out, <laughs> and it's really good. I'm I'm happy about that, and and you know, unfortunately, on the rider standpoint, we've you know we've basically decided before the announcement happened, um, but we're just getting everything completely finished, and then you know, we'll make an announcement on that. But, um, but we're, like I said, we're set with that. And and a couple people reaching out, it's like, man, you know, there's some, there's a lot of good riders out there and, and some more interest too, from, you know, the European side than I thought. Um, and that was, that was good to see because like, like I told you, and I think everybody's seeing it that the last two to three years, definitely seeing, you know, all the work kind of Moto America's put in, you know, the last few years, I mean, fans are showing up a lot more and, and things are all pointing to the right direction, you know, with someone like Ray Hall coming in and, you know, Ducati with another team, you know, hopefully it just brings in more people as well. Now, I don't know if you have Sean back yet. Sean, you there? Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know it's what right. happened. Did it go blank for a minute? No, we you just lost up. the sound. You froze <laughs> and then we lost the sound. I apologize. We carried I froze on with just because I was in, in, in awe of what was going on, I think. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> No, I'm back. Hey, I, I want to mention something. So I'm a, I get into numerology a little bit, Ben. So this is just what numbers mean. And I know in the teaser, everybody's like, oh, that's a 19. What's that's all? What, what is that all about? Now, a few people did sort of identify, oh, I wonder if Ben Spees is involved with this because of what you did in 2009 with your World Superbike thing. But I want to point out a couple of things. And I hope Graham Rahal is going to be watching this podcast because one of the things about this is Graham, I think it was 2008. He uh, was his first year in IndyCar. He had a mechanical problem in the very first race of the year. So his first race. So he didn't actually race in it. The next race of the year was at St. Petersburg. And it was his first ever race. And he won it. 
and he was oh, wow. 19 he was 19 years old so oh, that's cool. he was he, he was the youngest rider or rider rung, youngest driver to i believe win an indy car race and to win in a first race ever was incredible so there's that 19 again but i mean when i did the yesterday i did poor sean's freezing up <laughs> i don't know where he was going with that because i'm not into the numerology like he is yeah so, he's, he's trying to ask who's on the bike <laughs> so you mentioned when hayes came to town you had you had sushi and i think you told me you have sushi like seven nights a week yeah it's so it's it's a problem now because <laughs> i would say i have it probably three nights a week honestly but my both of my daughters that's their favorite food right so you know, that's why I'm going back to work. Because right, to pay for sushi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so have you found a good sushi place in Indy? Uh, or wait, you're going to be in uh, Indy, right? Yeah, you're going to be in Indy. Yeah, I can't remember. I think there was. I mean, I'm I know sure they got something. St. Elmo's, that was my favorite place, obviously, with the, the shrimp cocktail. But no, I try to, but sometimes kind of like when you get in the Central America, United States area, it's, it takes a long time to get that fish there. So well, that's uh, the thing. I try not to eat sushi if I can't like see the water at exactly, least, right? Yeah, but I mean, you're yeah. not seeing it in Texas either. Yeah, but we're kind of, we're still, I mean, we do have the ocean on the border. It's just like eight hours away. <laughs> right. Okay. So Guys, we're going to get... go dark again. Yeah, yeah, you did. Come back. I, keep talking so, while you're here. I am so sorry. I, I have a 5G connection and it keeps cutting out. So I went to my other connection. So I got that question out, but did you, did you answer it, Ben, or did I even bring that up? So you were I didn't finish 19. it. Okay. Yeah. So so 2003 was your first super sport win the year after you were racing with Attack and yeah. I think you were either either just about to turn 19 or you were 19. Was that when you were with were you with Yoshin 03? Uh yeah. Yeah, that was Yeah, so you were 19 you were 19 when you won your first super sport race. A class that you guys are racing in this year. You were 19 in World Superbike and Graham Rahal won his first IndyCar race at 19. I had to get all that out there. But I want to ask you specifically cuz it, it always seemed odd to me that you chose 19 in World Superbike after what you had done with 11 and all that. So, where did that number come from for you? So that, I mean, that number's always been important. Um, a lot of people that, you know, kind of followed me in amateur race and they, they already understood what it was. Um, my best friend that was teammates with me, um, in 98, Ryan Smith, he passed away and, uh, his number was 19. So when I went to go to world Superbike, I was number 11 in AMA and, uh, Troy Corser had that number. You right. know, so obviously he's he gets to keep the number for all the stuff he's done. He's Troy <laughs> Corser. And I just said, all right, well, I'm going over there and I need all the help I can get, you know, so I'm going to run 19 and and, uh, you know, won the world title with it. And then, um, you know, lo and behold, it's my oldest daughter's birthday, too. Hmm. So, so that's it's, a, it's a number. number it's a number that just doesn't. It's always like when you look up at an exit sign or you look at a, it's just always there. And I mean, it's just, it's kind of weird how it's been like that for my whole life, but that's, that's the number that just is the most reoccurring, you know, in everyday life for me. Well, it's funny with the, the 11, um, you know, I once asked Wayne Rainey about this. He was 60 pretty early on when he was racing flat track and early on when he road raced. He yeah. was born in 1960, but he always told me that he didn't, that was a, that was just a coincidence. He got that number. That was what was assigned to him, but you chose 11 because you're born on the 11th. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, a couple like the first year at, um, 
first year at attack i was 111 because somebody yes. at 11 and i was 411 on the extreme bike yes you were uh, and then i went 11 after that so yeah that was kind of and i was actually number 16 my whole amateur career in cmra like when i was on ysr 50s it, it's stuff like that. I was 16. So, um, so yeah, I changed with 11 going into AMA made sense, obviously with the birthday and I, I liked the number and, and, uh, just kept it, you know, in the AMA days. And if you crash, Listen, we're not if you it. crash 16, sometimes it ends up looking like 19, right? Yep. And if you crash with 11, it's the same upside down well, too. It's that's the right. same thing what Earl Hayden used to say about 69. It's that's right. Exactly. Upside down and, and, right well, and also the good thing about number 11 is it's easy to peel one of the ones off, you peel know, and, off. and yep. you, you got the chance to do that a few times too. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, listen, I'm not going to give away Ben Spees's uh, personal email address, but I will say it has 16 and 19 in it. So that's pretty yeah, interesting. That's well, that was my old email that goes way i mean that used to be my aol <laughs> no, oh. it's, it's uh yeah it's been there forever and it still works i with i that's what we well we text that's what i used i used yeah. it it worked right yep, yep. right and then okay. we josh hayes back to josh hayes he still has an aol oh okay he, yeah he him, does him and my dad that's funny. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me <laughs> so so ben you you're in, involved with two icons in four-wheel racing open wheel racing um it, they've been around for a long time and you know they're they're probably it's probably andretti and then not too far after that you know ray hall sullivan danny sullivan those kind of guys but you've kind of gotten involved in a little bit of four-wheel stuff lately too and uh i want to ask you about that how do you like it and do you lean in the turns yeah, I mean, I, I have fun with it. It's it's a way that I can, you know, get back on a track and take it to level 10 in a lot safer way, you know, so that's what has been really fun for me. And, um, and yeah, it's just been, we've been having fun with friends and, you know, just like we went to Road Atlanta, you know, two weeks ago and did that last year and kind of go with a group of five or six guys at some of the iconic tracks that are really fun to drive, like Virginia or Atlanta and just having, you know, fun guy weekends. And, and, um, I've got a membership of it, a track in North Dallas called Eagles Canyon and, um, just, yeah, got into it for fun and, and just something to do and might race a little bit for fun, but it's mainly, you know, again, just having fun and getting on the track and, and, uh, spending time with friends. But, um, but yeah, the first thing that I kind of noticed or, you know, I, I wouldn't say I struggled with, but it's just a little uneasy is not being able to move around, you know, yeah. it's like, on the brakes you get in there and it's you know a lot of the lines are the same you turn in a bit later in cars than you do with the bikes but um but yeah it's just being strapped in it's you know you just can't move with with the car and it's much safer but it's a uh, it was a little uneasy feeling in the very beginning and then now it's obviously you know it's normal so it's um it's a good time you trail breaking it... cars or not yeah yeah <laughs> you just do kind of and it depends, you know, because I've I've got a TA2 uh, spec race car and then I've got my my Porsche uh, GT3 RS and they're just they're totally different, you know, being rear engine and front engine and how you can, you know, trail brake and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, there's there's like I said, there's some subtle differences, even, you know, being kind of coached a little bit with a, a really good pro driver. He maybe there's a couple things that I, I did a little bit different than there was a couple things that he liked what I was doing that I don't think he was looking at it like that either. Um, 
and not saying not faster than him or anything. It's just different ways of looking at stuff. And I've had to adjust a couple things and then maybe a couple things are a strong point, but, uh, but yeah, it's just fun that the first, you know, what I do tell people is when you're in the big breaking zones, like road Atlanta going down the hill in the 10 a and stuff like that in the cars, every time, you know, for like the first quarter of the braking zone, as soon as I, you know, snap on the brakes in my head, I'm pretty much every time say there, I'm not going to stop for the turn. Like I'm not going to stop. <laughs> and then it just starts eating the pavement up and, and uh, you make the apex. So it's like I said, it's been fun. I mean, it's something to do and, and uh, gets me back out on the track. Your, your TA two, that's a Camaro, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Camaro body. They're oh. they're spec chassis, spec engine. So you, oh, can, okay. you can run a Mustang body or a Challenger or a Camaro and and uh mine's a Camaro. Yeah. So listen, this is I'm not kidding about this. And and I'm not going far with this, but I mean, you probably could get a get a little do a lap on Graham's open wheel car. Would it would he would you be able to do that? I mean, no, I mean we haven't, we haven't talked or... about that and, and there's there's levels to you know, driving one of those like on a road course, yeah. I mean, that would that would be fun and different, but on an oval, hell no. You know, not. Oh, really? Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. And uh, <laughs> but it's more like you know we're renting the track at the end of November privately, you know, and I kind of have I I invite like six or seven eight people out there and and have fun and and I you know I'm trying to get him to fly in and throw him in my TA car just to you know just to hang out and have fun and, and mess around in cars, but definitely not thinking that you know i'm gonna jump in one of those anytime soon it'd be fun to see just i mean i, I just to go around do a slow lap or something that i mean you you have an understanding of it so you pr- you must be pretty good at heel and toe huh uh no not really um okay. because, <laughs> because luckily i've got my porsche's paddles and then oh the t- okay the, the ta2 is a four speed and it's got a dog box um transmission in it but it's just it's left foot braking. And when you backshift, you just barely blip the throttle, you know, and it goes right back in and and on upshift, you just barely lift it or you can tap the limiter as you're pulling on it and it'll kind of slot right in. So, um, so I get to left foot brake, you know, in both cars that I'm in and and definitely I can heel toe. Okay. On the track. If I try to do it in the city, you're going to spill your drink everywhere. You know, so <laughs> I try to, I try to keep it more simple. <laughs> so, one of the things Paul Paul said, and you guys have talked about it, the possibility, well, the good possibility, this is a foray into Superbike, and we don't know who the riders are going to be, is the choice of rider, does it does it indicate anything about somebody that you might groom to move up to Superbike, or is it like, we'll worry about this year, we get the riders we get, and next year is a whole different ballgame? Oh, I think uh, when, we, when we announce the riders, you know, everybody's going to understand, you know, why I think, and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm looking as, as far as I can, you know, ahead. And, and obviously one of the riders I feel can be, you know, extremely competitive on a super bike. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but that's, that's about all I can say. And, and, yeah, uh, understood. And I hope I it's, understood. you know, it's, it should be, you know, a lot sooner than later. Um, and I know everybody's, you know, excited to, to hear about it. And I'm excited to, you know, tell everybody cause they were, they were both my first choices and and I'm, I'm happy with it. I kept yeah, I mean, hoping, I kept but, hoping he'd have accidentally have pictures of him on his kitchen cabinets, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I called him and asked him if he'd tell me, I said, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody. I couldn't get him to do it. So, yeah. um, but uh, you know, I want to ask you, so it's funny, Paul and I were, Paul commented on this. When you raced super sport, it was truly 600. 
And then, yeah. of course, in your time, there was Formula Extreme at oh, one I point. See, yeah, was... I said 600 in the deal. And I <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It reminds us <laughs> that this is a good subject. So it's pretty wide open with the Supersport Next Generation. What do you think about that and what they're doing electronically, electronic throttle and, and doing some things? Obviously, that V2, we know, is dialed back a lot. It's not really up to its full potential in Supersport. So how do you feel about that whole thing and, and balancing in that class? And you're going to be involved in it this year. Well, first of all, I mean, I think the 600 super sport class is really starting to take shape again like it used to, you know, because used to the 600 class was, yeah, I mean, the super bike was the the main class, but the 600 class was the most competitive class. Um, and just with the names in there, besides, you know, our people, it's it's uh, it's really good. And there's there's some strength in there. So, um, you know, that's good and happy about that. But um but yeah, I just kind of, and that's, that's what, you know, I was in Wayne's ear already, you know, about it, talking about rules and where we were and all the stuff, because you just, it is hard, you know, once you're trying to balance it out between all those bikes, um, you know, a lot of it makes sense on what they've done, but it's difficult because then if you have somebody that's winning some races, you know, they're going to try to slow the bike down. And it's like, well, you know, maybe just because I brought jack miller over bag nine he gets on the bike and he wins by 20 seconds are you going to keep slowing the bike down like you can't you know so that's kind of the the, the argument that there's always going to be but when you're looking at it from a from a straightaway standpoint on a 600 you know and it's like a four mile an hour difference or a five mile an hour difference i don't really want to hear that all the time just because you know even when i was on a super bike there were we never had the fastest top speed super bike i don't think and back when I was on a 600 to the R6 and the Cowie, you know, it was, those bikes were definitely six mile an hour, you know, faster than me. I mean, I could get in their draft and they would still slowly pull away. Um, and it's the way it was. So, you know, really got to just be careful with the balance of rules, but with the bikes that are legal to run it, you have to do it. Um, I do think they've done a good job, you know, trying to balance that out, but you know, changing the rules in the season, I don't think is a really good thing always. Um, so I'm just hoping that after this year and everything that, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, black and white from, from Daytona on and um, mm -hmm. we go from there, but, but I understand it. I mean, I get it because they're, you know, the seven fifties in there, 600s with motor work and the Ducati's obviously got to be drawn back a little bit, but, um, but I think they're doing a good job with it. And they, and they know it's a, it's a difficult line to, to walk but it seems like they're they're on top of it and you touched on it it's almost like it's almost like you have to look at the second ducati or the second yamaha or the third yamaha or whatever to see that way it's just not you're not picking on the guy because he's the best rider and yeah and, you know and what i mean you're not where, and not to not to talk <laughs> about you know me or matt honestly but if you look back in those days you know everybody kind of was crying about that it was the bike you know, and it was this and that. And I just, I felt like we worked hard. I know we were riding good, but we also worked hard. We worked together to make the bike better. And then you go over in 2009 and we did it again. And, you know, and I can assure you that bike was not the best bike on the grid. I liked it. I love the front end on it, but no, if I had my 08 Suzuki or the Ducati, it would have been a different story, you know? So it's not always, it's not always a bike. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with just, you know, Zog, you know, Chavi won eight races or whatever and I mean maybe he was riding better than everybody too and it's not just the bike so okay. and I would say the same thing you know like if one of the 
the M4 600 guys, if they won eight races, it, you know, there's a good chance that he's riding better than everybody too, you know? So you just got to be careful with that, but that's where I hope, you know, some of my experience when we're talking about that stuff, we can just have a broader conversation, you know, and, and, uh, before changes are made. Now being your first year is difficult enough. Does it, does it kind of make it a bit more difficult when the first race is Daytona? Yeah, no, I mean, there's everything. I I realize everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's a great thing for the sport, obviously us coming in and and all the stuff, but we have Daytona, the first one, I'm not going to lie. And and, and like I told you, it doesn't always work out, but the goal every time is to win. That's anybody that's racing and anyone at that level, that's what you want to do. So, you know, yeah, that's what we, we do want to accomplish, but in the same time, we've naturally going to have a little bit of a bullseye, you know, on the back too, for, and even being a new team. So it's, it's going to be difficult, but in the same time, we've, we've done it before as in we've, you know, put teams together and we've, we've gone to the track and race. So, you know, it's a, it's a clean slate, um, but it's a, it's a lot of work to do. And yes, I mean, the 200 is the first thing. So it's, it's like all hands on deck, you know, we need to be ready. You know, one of the things I want to I want to talk to you about. Um, this is a little bit off the topic, but it's related to Moto America. We've had conversations over the years, Ben, quite a bit about the Junior Cup, and you know, is there a need for Moto Three and grooming the next riders? And we know you've got your eyes on a lot of a lot of the young riders, Mikey, Lou, Sanchez, and some of these other young riders that you you've helped. Um, where are you at with what that's all about? Do you still think? Are you thinking Moto Three is something? we should have or something where we've maybe got a spec bike um, involved in a junior class. Talk about that a little bit. We want to, we want to get you to kind of, cause you, you, you know, you follow everything about Moto America and grooming riders and up and coming okay. riders. So let us, let us know where you feel on what you feel about on that. Well, I mean, you know, my thing is just if, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, younger riders being competitive in Moto three or Moto two or wanting to do the GP route, you just have to understand that the the bikes are quite a bit different. You know, they are, and um, they're much stiffer. They, they kind of have a higher corner speed. You know, if you take it, like compare it to one of the KTM bikes or an R7 or something like that, you know, they're good motorcycles, but they're not just race made motorcycles. And, you know, when you're, we rode 125s and 250s, which is the same as Moto3, Moto2. And, I just do, I do think it's important if you think about a 12 or a 13, 14 year old getting on a Moto3 bike from such an early age, they're, they're feeling the ultimate grip, you know, and, and the ultimate corner speed of what a bike can do and putting those dots together in turns and just, you know, feeling that. And then you get up to a Moto2 bike and it's a little less corner speed, but it's a little bit quicker And then kind of the same thing, you know, as you go up where, you know, sometimes on a, you know, maybe on like one of the other bikes on the R7s or something like that, you jump on a R6 after that or a super bike after that. And the bike has, you know, a higher threshold for everything for corner speed and rigidity and stuff like that. And you're, you're having to learn, you know, that, um, that level where when you start out on a 125 or a moto three bike, you've experienced the highest kind of corner speed bike from a super young age, but it's slower on the straightaway. So it just, it's a different way of development. And if you haven't felt some of that or didn't go through that, and then you, 
you've just rode, you know, other bikes in the 600s, and then you go to jump on a Moto2 bike, it's a different ball game. I mean, it's a different ball game. And, and it's the, it's the same for Superbike and, and MotoGP. And I grew up, you know, on the 125 and 250s that went 600, 750,000. And, you know, when I, we got to learn the Superbikes and rode them well. And then when I went to GP, it was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to ride the bikes differently to make them work. And that's where I've always told people, like, I struggled with that, you know, and it's, it's uh, not making excuses that I didn't do this because of that, but I was never just a hundred percent comfortable because of my riding style and, and, you know, kind of how I rode the bike a little bit rougher than some and, and stuff like that. So just me, I feel like I had, I've always said like three or four days where I felt like on the GP bike, I was as comfortable on a super bike and riding it well. And, um, those were obviously a few of the podiums and, and a race win, but, um, in general, I didn't get along with the GP bikes and the tires and just how that setup was because of how I had been developed, you know, from the last decade of super sport bikes. Um, and I just think it's, you know, you take a look at someone like top rack, you know, he's super talented, but all he's ridden is super sport bikes, super stock bikes, super bikes. And, um, we actually talked quite a bit about it, you know, when he was looking at doing some of the GP stuff and, and I was like, you know, I just have a little bit of a worry that you're you're going to have to change some of your strongest suits about riding, you know, like going into a turn that that hard on the front brake, how, you know, he's always got the rear tire lofting in the air and doing that stuff. I mean, on a GP bike, you're going to high side going in, you know, doing that type of stuff because they're so stiff. You just can't you can't get them that out of control. So you know, I told him, I was like, I think it's better for you to win multiple superbike titles and build a, a, you know, a legendary career like Johnny Ray did, because if you just haven't started at the right age and on the right bike, it's hard to make that switch. It really is. Hey, Paul, I got two more questions for, for Ben, but I know we're getting, um, yeah, go, go for it. We'll get out. Can I do it. Okay. Uh, no particular order. Let me mention this one. You, you, uh, so I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Graham Rahal and Bobby Rahal are involved in Moto America. And we are going back to their home track. And I've been to IndyCar races at Mid-Ohio. And everybody in Ohio loves the, the Rahals and used to root for Bobby and Graham for sure and still do. Um, and then we have Ben Spees, who I know for a fact loved Mid-Ohio. So we're going yeah, back to Mid-Ohio. first title there. Yep. <clears throat> right. Exactly. So how, how about that, Ben? I mean, we're going to see what happens with the repave, but it's got to be pretty special. That's going to be a, a one to circle on the calendar for your entire team with Bobby and Graham, I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of riders, you know, rider riders like a, a Dale Quarterly and and people like that. And, and, um, and Yates, you know, Yates was really good around there. Yeah. Um, it's a fun track. I mean, it's one of the most fun tracks in the U S just with the, with the, um, you know, the elevation, the turns, everything. Um, I'm really happy we're going back. And obviously it is a home race for the team. So it's going to be a big one. And Graham and Bobby love that track. And like I said, as do a lot of people. So I'm really excited. You know, we're going back there. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, at least I've got, you know, a lot of experience on, on that track. Um, the pavement's going to be different, but lines are you know, usually going to be similar. So it'll be good to good to go back there. And we're, we're all looking forward to that weekend. Okay. And my last one, 
we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you this, but your fellow Texan in World Superbike, we got we have to ask you about Garrett Gerloff. We know you keep an eye on him. What do you, what do you think of, about how he's doing this year and his situation with BMW? Good, you know he uh, he messaged me not too long ago and and said um, you know just how how much he was having fun doing it. And he was glad he made the leap, and um, you know he really likes the BMW too. You know they're they're working on still a few things to get it exactly the way they want it, but the front end works really good. You know he showed a lot of promise. You know real speed. You know a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully he stays on that train. You know because he's he's got a lot of talent. You know and he got he got kind of you know messed up a little bit, you know, in the, in the uh, first year with just some of the, you know, crashes and stuff like that. And it kind of, I wouldn't, wouldn't say spun him out, but just, it, it wouldn't put anybody in a great place, obviously. And I mean, I understand it. So he had a little bit of a rough go, but he's bounced back from it, you know, great. And he's, he's, uh, you know, he's such a, he's such a happy dude and a good dude, to yeah. hear from, you know, that it's just, Everybody in the team's working well. He's he's working with that, you know, less uh, crew chief again, which I I speak with less every now and then. So um, so yeah, it's a good thing. And I hope he can, you know, make that next little next little step that he wants to do and getting top rack on a BMW two, I think will be interesting. And he's gonna be able to at least compare apples to apples with data um and stuff like that so i just i hope he keeps going on the kind of the trajectory that we've been seeing lately of him and uh i know he's happy and and uh it'll be fun to watch yeah you know his crew chief les you mentioned he kind of talks about him the way you are about tom houseworth and he's followed him now so it's kind of cool to have a relationship like that you know better than anybody if you have that solid relationship it helps so much so yeah no, cool. it, it 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 really does i mean it's uh you just can lean on each other when you need to and and um i know how much they both like each other and um you know Les is just trying to get the best out of him and and uh, has a lot of has a lot of belief and confidence in him so that's a very good duo and i just hope that they accomplish what they want to all right, John, you done about this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited though. My gosh, I can't <laughs> wait for this. It's so good. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's more excited about Mid Ohio than anybody because yeah, me too. Yeah, might, yeah, you won't sleep in your own bed though. It's a little too far for that, yeah. isn't it? Well, it's 45 minutes away. I could, but uh, oh, no, I'm gonna. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, we'll I'll get into this eventually. I got to get Graham or Bobby on because Bobby actually went to college in Denison University, which is in this village where I live, Granville. And the next town over is is Graham now. Well, so I would go to work in Columbus and I would pass the exit that they get off. And I would often see Bobby or Graham in, in their cars. It was so funny. Bobby had this gigantic Mercedes and I would always wave to him, you know, and it just was weird timing that he would be either going, getting off his exit or coming on from there. So That's I used cool. to wave to him all the time. So anyway, we got to get one of those guys or both of them on this podcast. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll yell at Graham and try to try to get him to do it for sure. I mean, he's it's one thing. I mean, I respect a lot like they're they did what they've done in racing, both of them. Obviously, Bobby, you know, did did a lot and Graham's still achieving stuff. Yeah. Um, but how how they are business minded and what they're doing outside of race and what they've been, you know, I did my diligence into them when I started working on this and what Bobby's, you know, built. And I mean, even Graham, but when you put them both together, I mean, it's like these guys, they're not stopping, you know, it's like, I see how much Graham's running around and talking with this assistant and it's like, 
man, I thought I was kind of dealing with a lot the last couple months, but this dude is, is, yeah, he's on it. So it's, uh, (laughs) no, it's like I said, I think, uh, you know, I, I can do a lot with the race team and hopefully be a huge help with it. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of, like I said, it's a, it's a good opportunity for me to learn to in, in other ways and, and be around those type of people. So, you know, with business and just how they look at stuff. So it's, um, so yeah, I'm happy to, to learn a lot and, uh, be around that group. All right, Great. Ben, thank you for joining us. And Sean, sorry, you had a little hiccup, but yeah, yeah I you yelled at me about having Wi-Fi and I couldn't work out at my land. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and then he's terrible. the one that screws it up. I know, yeah. I, know. I hope it comes how, out. How have, okay. y'all, how have y'all seen kind of the response and everything? Oh, Everybody really wants good. to know the riders. Everybody can't wait to see the riders, but obviously it's huge. And with you, I mean, you know, the commentary about you as well and, and ta- them talking need to about put sunscreen on my face. Cause I know. I was, <laughs> oh, you I saw the Batman comment, huh? That was, yeah. I mean, I, well, cause I mean, dude, the, I've been for the last year and a half. I mean, I work five, pretty much four to five days out at my land for six to seven hours outside. Just, you know, cause I've been clearing stuff and just getting everything ready to been putting in a lot of work. So now once we move out there, it's just maintenance, you know, but it's, yeah. uh, it's a lot of work. So yeah, I have the hat and the sunglasses well, together. It gives me no I, tan up top. I told Sean, I go, <laughs> he just has he that, he has that PGA tour play player look. Cause yeah. they have the same thing. Cause they oh, I know. It just, everybody was like, is this, is he a Batman too? Or has he been on the slopes for the last like, <laughs> no, he's just or? a professional golfer. Yeah. No, I was like, oh shit. No, People are brutal. Know. They're brutal. Are we, are not, we off record now? No, 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 we're not. I'm going to shut us off though. So look, uh, Ben, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll do this again. And obviously we look forward to seeing you down the road and, and looking forward to what you were able to put together. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thanks, Ben.